Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, the podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the dust of directed video. Join us on our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Homicide. and thank you for joining us in 1991 Movie Rewind. In Homicide, Detective Bobby Gold, played by Joe Mantegna, is hot on the trail of a well-known cop-killing menace when he is pulled off the case and assigned to a seemingly random murder of an older Jewish shopkeeper. As he reluctantly looks into the details further, Gold starts to uncover the deeper racist underpinnings of the city and an underground movement. Screenplay by David Mamet, directed by David Mamet, and opened to the Cannes Film Festival on May 9, 1991. So before we start, I just want to, again, quickly note, we apologize for the audio issues that might be present in this episode. Just a couple more to go, and we'll be back to normal. Uh, but have you seen Homicide before? No, I've never heard of this movie. I have heard of it, but it's obviously a very generic title. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes it easier for it to fly under the radar it's literally like calling a movie murder right i mean everyone's gonna know what it is there's so many tv tv shows now that are called homicide but (laughs) yeah like this has no relation to homicide life on the streets right anything like that uh the long-running show so it's just like a very generic and title and I think I don't know if that was that was intentional. Maybe that's why it didn't do so well. Yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know it, what the budget was, but it, yeah, was, it didn't make tons and tons of money. I I have the budget is eleven million, and it made the oh. box box office is two point nine. Yeah, it, that's that's kind of rough. Her, I mean, I was like eleven when this came out, so I wasn't paying attention. But I think it kind of just... You're not paying the cop movies. And the title doesn't really give you a real indication of what... Like what this movie is about. Yeah. Yeah. Besides, you know, someone gets killed. Because, I mean, homicide. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, and it deals with, like, the homicide detectives and things like that. I mean, there have been generic titles in the past that have done well, like The Witness. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a very generic title that that still exists. But I think the trailer something. for The Witness really helped. Yeah. For that movie. I don't even And and the star power. This doesn't yeah. really have the star power. Even though you have well-known actors in it. Yeah, but like no major major names. Joe Montaigne is leading the pack here and he was not a big deal in movies right so, not know. like harrison ford <laughs> right yeah yeah and so you have like character actors and a lot of the people almost every single person in this movie has been in multiple david mamet movies so right it's kind of one of those things where you have to be a fan of mamet to, to probably this, be paying yeah. attention to this and maybe even want to see it in some the this movie is confusing to me and maybe we'll get, I don't know if I want to get into this right now, but like, I equate it to the new movie, The Parasite, newer, because there's an older movie, Parasite, from like the 80s. Um, but, you know, the 2019 Parasite. Okay. And that I think that the movie is trying to accomplish and say something specific, but actually ends up saying the opposite. And again, I don't know if that's fully intentional. Like with Parasite, and maybe I just misunderstood something. Maybe we've talked about this on podcasts before. Like, I honestly think that, like, the the movie, as it's presented to me, makes makes me side with the rich people in Parasite. Oh, okay. You know? 
Um, and I don't, that's not how it's oh, supposed to be. Probably. Because the people but, that were the pe okay, in Parasite, yeah, the people who yeah, were struggling, that, okay, probably. yeah, the, the people that were struggling, they were scammers. Well, they're literal parasites, right? That's like the whole, like, that's the point of the thing. But there's like no redeeming qualities in most of them. And the people that they're taking advantage of are not bad people. The worst thing that they say is, oh, man, the dad smells bad. But he never says it to his face, even. It's yeah. just in passing, and he happens to overhear it. And so, like, do they deserve to be run out of their home? No. And so, yeah, and like, there's, like, the murder stuff. So, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, okay. it's kind of like this weird, like, antithetical thing where, like, maybe that is the point of the movie. But it seems like it's, it's just, like, between classes. Trying to, yeah, it's like this class struggle, but it's making it, it's putting... It's putting the people that I think are supposed to be the heroes in the movie in a really bad In a bad point. place. Yeah, that's kind of like the movie Shoplifters, which I know you didn't watch. Yeah, I haven't seen that. But this one kind of, too, to kind of get to the ending of the movie, where, boy, I really thought that, like, the, the ending of the movie kind of undercut the entire freaking thing. Yeah, the way the movie ended, it was just like okay, so this guy just is, like, shit out of luck? Well, not only that, but, like... Like, okay. no one yeah. wins? <laughs> really? Yeah. So, the, 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 main, the main thing is we got Bobby Gold, who is a detective in some city, unnamed city. It's in um, Baltimore. I had to look it up. Okay. The thing I saw is that they never mentioned the city by name could be any any town usa and I okay. think that's also part yeah. of the point oh okay right. it was filmed in baltimore i don't know if it was okay. like meant to be in baltimore but when they yeah, were I don't know. they were um mentioning street names and that's why i just googled the street names oh he's going after this high profile case that the fbi was on and then dropped or something like that where he's chasing this guy named randolph played by ving rame so you barely get to see in the movie right and you know it's he's kills cops in the opening scene and escapes and they are trying to track him down in the meantime what happens is just at like this pit stop where he's like trying to they just happen upon another scene of a crime mm -hmm. and he gets roped into taking that case because there's like high powered Jewish people involved who want him because he is a Jewish detective on the case to help solve this murder. Yeah, because they would, While, he would yeah. feel more sympathetic towards the Jewish people because it was a Jewish that's, owner. That's, that's their what, assumption. That's, yeah. that's the family's assumption. Right. While he's on the case, I'm just going to go through the broad strokes of the movie to get to my overall point from the beginning. The, he starts to unravel documents he finds at the bottom of the shopkeeper's thing this little old lady like records of her smuggling guns during world war ii and other things that are going on um and so she was like part of this underground militia things sort of escalate and he learns that there is still an ongoing effort within this city to fight anti-semitism um through violent means uh if necessary so they go to like this place where there's flyers being printed for anti-jewish propaganda and they blow it up there's like this whole subplot of how there's like when he's going to the family's house they claim there's a shooter on the top of the roof he goes to the roof to check it out he doesn't believe anything he finds this little piece of paper that says girl fats on it he eventually like gets a lead from you know other people in the community and that's like apparently like another euphemism for hitler and like that snowballs into a thing um long story short he gets randolph uh, right. because he's still trying to be part of that case even though he's not technically supposed to be part of that case but he gets randolph at the end and he's shot and then when he comes back from being shot you know like he's healed and now walking back in the station they're like 
basically like fuck you you're off the case and by the way we solved your other murder it was just yeah. a random punk who was trying to to kill this lady for her money yeah it was these right? little kids it's just these little kids in the neighborhood who thought she had gold in the basement and so they killed her right and then on top of all of that they're like by the way we ran that name and here's the evidence and it was girl fat's pigeon feed uh because there was a bunch of pigeons on that roof so so what the movie ends up sort of saying is like this is either all in his head or there's such a deep cover-up that no one will believe him and that really just kind of like sucks the life out of the point of this thing yeah i wanted to i was looking up the 1991 Cannes Film Festival and what I know this opened and I know mainly it opened because it's like a mammoth film yeah he had prestige art. so yeah he's got prestige so they're like okay let's because you isn't like the first film like supposed to be notable it, usually the first and the last aren't they some sort of notable I mean they can like they're all Probably they're all notable because <laughs> i know, I, know it... I mean yeah when you're talking about like the chicago international film festival then it becomes like you know yeah it's like a, lot a of competition really... lesser known stuff but then like the opening and, and um closing films are ones that will hit theaters either way but you're just trying to bring in the names for q a's and photo ops right yeah because i didn't see i mean this didn't win anything no, well, like at no, Can, they get nominated at Can, right? At Can for the Palm d'Or, right? But, so yeah, it wasn't one of their. It wasn't on the list to get the Palm. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't one of their better competition right. films. But I mean, it's well made in terms of you know technical prowess. Right? Yeah, I mean, wrong with the way it's like this. Done. I, I mean, I don't hate this movie. It just it reminded me so much of just watching like, L.A. Law or I mean, it, it reminds me of watching maybe like SVU now. Or Law I mean, and I Order. There's not really any episodes of those, but I mean, I think what what sets this apart perhaps is the conspiracy stuff that's presented with right. It. You know the the underground layers, and to have that kind of sucked away at the end or to yeah again just like, like sort of like the... prove the point of like the jewish people are afraid because they're being targeted because everyone thinks they're like running the world and then meanwhile he discovers this thing where they are running the freaking world in the underground well, yeah because he know? gets blackmailed and then he's like mm -hmm. oh but then he's also struggling with his own judaism because he doesn't recognize he is Jewish ethnically, but it doesn't seem religiously. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely not religiously. But yes, this is very much he's, a movie about identity and not yeah, just he's like struggling with his person. own identity as a Jewish cop. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it's about his arc and like learning about himself and him like seeing the, the hidden racism within the world as he becomes um exposed to it through these other people but it's not just that it's also like the cops versus fbi that's also a different mm -hmm. identity where they're like really purposely looking at it like him being a man is also like another thing because, right because you know, i think he he wants to get like randolph so he can get recognition and clout for being like the guy who caught you know this cop killer yeah that's, I because mean, but that's the whole fight between him and the FBI. Like, who's going to take down this guy? The, yeah, that whole thing, like, just made no sense to me. It was, I don't know. You know, you hear about the pissing contest between local yeah, the police FBI, departments and like, FBI's all the time. Like, taking and jurisdiction like, and whatever. Yeah, and then there's, like, this whole thing about how the FBI took over the Randolph case, but then they dropped it, and so everyone's back on it again. And... You know, there's that scene with him getting shit for not providing a lead to the FBI to, that would help them take him down, but they were told to stand down off the case. And so it's like, the, like I don't, I kind of don't care about, like, that's... Like the I'm politics I'm all for power struggle of... <laughs> in the movie. Uh, I'm all for power struggles, but yeah, like, the, the weird... Like, the politics of gross. between what a cop should be doing during a, a homicide... 
Yeah, I don't care about the inner workings and like the procedural shit that much. I don't need to know. And that character, Mr. Patterson, never appears again. So it makes it so much less of an issue. He's there just so he can he can throw a slur. Like talk at shit. Gold. Yeah. Oh, this is like trigger warrant. Well, the, not, we're not gonna say it, but like this I'm not movie. Gonna say the words. But um. But the the movie does use multiple different slurs depending on your background: Jewish slurs, black, and yeah, they homosexual. Just, yeah, they. Even make, though there's no out homosexuals, they use that f, yeah, f they, word a bunch. And Mammoth's known for being profane, um, but you know, those the slurs stand out. Right. And obviously it's very purposeful here because Master Patterson is calling him out and, and saying that, which is sort of like the first I don't know, like yeah, the their first, first little snowball is about to roll down the hill. Right. The their first altercation is just them shooting off slurs to each other. Yeah, and like but, Sullivan's his partner and, and tries to have his back. William H. Macy plays Sullivan and Sully. And, even though, uh, like, he know, himself... Has his back by calling him an F-word. Right, but he, Sullivan himself, did call Gold a slur, too. So it's just, I mean, yeah, I yeah, think that's just, like, within, like, the how... The gentle ribbing, whatever, right. but yeah, right. it, it's sort of, like, up to Gold to understand that the gentle ribbing may not actually have, like, pure innocence behind it. Yes. And that's also, like, his journey throughout this. I mean, we just, like, gave the entire summary. But, uh... <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of important to, like, understand where the movie's going. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they... It, it was kind of confusing in the beginning, because they are... St I did like, okay, the beginning, when they are searching for Randolph, and they come across Randolph's mother, and that whole monologue with her saying you're trying to get me to kill my baby mm -hmm. i i liked that dialogue yeah so gold is also a hostage negotiator not just a homicide detective yeah. but he's also a hostage so he, like, he's he's there to, to sweet talk and and you know get people to to flip and do what they're trying to do yeah, promise. The initial, the initial parts of that scene were very, I don't know, like standard. There's a lot of dialogue in here that you would expect to to hear in these police type of movies, and like, like no, we're not trying to kill your baby. We're trying to help him. You know, like we need to take him alive. We need to take him alive. And he kept on saying that like over and over again. I'm like, all right, let's let's get to the meat. Like let's you know like let's let's say something original here. And he eventually does. And it does make the scene a lot better. Um, but sometimes the scenes take a while. Right. And but I just, it's I been like a while that's... since I've seen a Mammoth movie to know if that's like the standard for him. I've only seen like, like three of his movies. <laughs> it's probably the same for me. I've seen Glenn, Glary, Glenn Ross. I've yeah. seen Satan Maine when it first came out. And I've now seen this. I think that's about it. I mean, I've seen other stuff that he's written, but not written and directed yeah he's, he's he has written stuff that isn't but, i mean there's there's like these little like good lines that are just sort of like thrown in here and there like near the ending when um sullivan and gold are just kind of talking in the car and you know they're just like shooting the shit and just doing like really basic ass small talk and then all of a sudden sullivan's like well it's either gonna be a piece of cake or a slice of life i'm like oh that's pretty poignant i mean that might not be very original i don't know but like i don't remember hearing it before yeah it's some of the dialogue was like clever and i mean i got it like the whole negotiation between gold and randolph's mother i liked that interaction between the two of them yeah and and i liked especially... some of the other scenes too but they didn't really materialized the way I wanted them to like you know the the whole thing was like this guy Wells who shot his wife and kids tries to steal Gold's gun and like breaks his holster which becomes a recurring theme throughout the movie mm -hmm. and then you know at some point he, you know he's locked up in this cell and he's like well perhaps I can tell you the nature of evil and you know like he's talking about like the how he's going to be able to help him later on in the movie and like he kind of doesn't like he he comes back into the fray but like he never uh, really actually does help gold in that way 
Right. Not like, you know, like in Backdraft where yeah, Donald even, Sutherland was the... Yeah, really get to have a chance to say anything. Right. Be, you know, he, all of his conversations are like, I can help you someday. I can help you someday. But, I can help you someday. And yeah, and I, I figured, oh, maybe he needs help with this. Yeah. It's like when, building up to nothing because <laughs> uh-huh. it's just like oh he's not um gonna use his help even though he keeps on saying i can help but um yeah gold's still like dismissing him he's like well you know like what do i care about what you have to say like you're you're a criminal like, so I don't yeah like you, you were gonna kill thing. yourself you killed your your family so like what do i care what you have to say yeah it, like even when he's in the library and talking to a scholar mm-hmm. about like the the star and having this conversation about you know, the police star is five points, and so it's, in essence, somewhat evil by nature. Right. Yeah, that and, was and, interesting. And the, Juda- the Judaism star with the six points, the Star right. of David, where, you know, you can have the separation of the two, and, you know, it's like the combination of the symbolism. That was very interesting to hear. And again, it kind of speaks to that identity side of things of, you know, well, if you are the overseer, are you on our side? Yeah, and... And, and like that's a really interesting like perspective which i've heard a lot in you know like more african-american centric movies not so much on the jewish side right and then it was just when he was showing gold something that was written in hebrew mm-hmm. and uh gold was like i can't read that and he's like well then how are you jewish yeah, he's like oh, a Jew that can't read Hebrew. Well, then, like, are you what even are Jewish? You yeah. So, yeah, like, what then, are you then? Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, again, like it's, it's interesting and it's poignant, but it's also like, off-puttingly dismissive. So it's 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 odd. Um, I th- it's just yeah. I I feel like this is. I didn't read. Too, I read a lot of uh, reviews, but I couldn't really find like. I know this is in the criteria criterion collection now. It is. And uh, it's like I wonder if this is just like David Mamet, he was struggling with his own religion and identity somehow. And yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't paper. doubt it. This definitely is someone who like really doesn't know where they land on on things and I think there's a lot of like self doubt. But I think the movie does um that others don't and and probably should happen more it's like it really does speak to the racism against jewish people and you rarely see that in In movies besides you know watching world war ii movies like you don't see the aftermath yeah you don't see the current day stuff which is still very much prevalent in society right Um, you you don't see a lot of movies like that made now yeah which i mean is interesting but i mean it doesn't need to be made it's just interesting that it you don't see it a lot i don't know like this is the first movie where i've seen it but this also kind of reminded it reminds me of like the other movie company business where it kind of like went over our heads because we weren't alive during or we were alive during like the cold war but it's like we were uh-huh. too young to know what it was even about. Yeah, a lot of the political references and, and talking points that they made and jokes were... Yeah, it just totally went about. over my head because I was like, I was too young to know this. And then I never just really grasped it, learning about it in school or anything like that. But this is something you can easily grasp like you can right definitely understand what's going on here like they show early on when they're interviewing the kids who are or just anybody in the neighborhood who are you know gathering around the crime scene when the the older lady is is shot dead you know they're talking about oh well we heard that they had you know treasure in the basement that she was hoarding treasure which Mm -hmm. again is kind of like you know like speaking to a potential trope and then you see him come back and there's the flyer that says like old you know the ghettos are like the scourge of the world or crime is caused by ghettos but the ghettos are caused by jews and so like that secondhand 
racism. And that was one of the flyers that, you know, led them to um, the Nazi that they they blew up his shop. Um, right. And like all these other little, you know, as the movie goes on, you see just like gold does all these little subtle digs, all these little tiny things that are like wedged into the conversation. They're like, hold on a second. Did you like, should you have said that? Do you know what you're saying type of a thing? Like that becomes more and more prevalent to us and to gold at the same time. Um, and so, you know, that that's, that's really good to see. What I think hurts the movie though, is that, you know, when he does find that big Jewish underground um, resistance, yeah. they're talking about, you have to destroy this evidence for us, get us list. And when right. he doesn't do it, he's now the enemy. Yeah, well, he did. Um, so they're no like longer he burned like down that like, store. Whatever. You know? Like, he bombed that store, but they kind of set him up for that because they blackmailed him. They're like, okay. Yeah, and then well, they blackmail him by, like, you know, sort of like somewhat tricking him into taking responsibility for bombing that store. Right. And then they blackmail him to try to get the list from evidence, which doesn't end up happening. As far as I know, that's not good. <laughs> right. You're not showing good people here. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So then it goes back to this raid because Randolph, like now everyone's after Randolph again. This is another thing that didn't make sense to me, right? So like all throughout the entire movie, they're like, you can't do the Randolph stuff because you are on this case. You have to be on this case. Yeah, you got to finish this case. But then he right. goes back to the Randolph thing. And like sometimes he gets trouble in trouble for it. And like, but like it doesn't freaking make sense that he can't take two cases on at the same time for one. And two, like there's nothing specific about like there's going to be like a 5 a.m meetup where like the mother needs to be there mm -hmm. you know randolph's mother needs to be there they're gonna like set him up for like this fake passport thing and you know claim that randolph is gonna get out of there at least that's what the mother's gonna say and then they're gonna do a sting and like go catch him but gold needs to be there to like sweet talk the mother and make sure that you know everything goes off because if he's not there then she's not gonna do it for some reason He's not allowed to go do this very important thing at five o'clock in the morning when there will be nothing else going on with the other case whatsoever. And like that part of the whole movie just does not make sense. It just feels like forced, um, forced conflict, you know, like, you know, like artificial conflict just to make the movie like more tense. Uh, and it sucks. I don't get it. There, there's a lot of these things where it's like, why can't you do both? Like, why why is this actually a thing? Yeah, it's just... I agree, I guess. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Well, like, why can't... Because it's just like, you can't... Um, It's not... You can't do one case at a time. You're going to get multiple cases as a yeah, homicide like, detective. So it's like... Even, that's just like with activities. anyone who has like any job but it's like he can work and get that's they showed him in that part where he was like telling that one girl that was working he's like can you like he they show him actively working and trying to figure out this old lady case this is like near the beginning uh -huh. where he's like asking that woman for certain items he's like can you go to the library and get it was just like very old school like get copies of this and that type of thing like find me uh -huh. the names of so and so so it's like yeah. he's he's doing like multiple cases at once so i don't like it's like they're making him do this one old late jewish lady case only and that's it the, there's zero information given to us as to why he can't join in the randolph sting yeah right? it's just kind it's of very like early in the morning i don't know why they you know, there's nothing urgent going on within the other case 
Right, but then when he comes back, they're like, well, we solved it for you, so fuck you, you're off homicide. And I was like, Jesus. But, you know, which again is sort of like leading into like, did they really, or did they find like a scapegoat? I mean, it, it's... I think it those looks, kids looks just like walked on in and they were like, yeah, we killed this old lady. And then... Right, but like the movie is like presenting it in such a way where they're sort of claiming that there's like an anti-Jewish conspiracy within the, the mm -hmm. city, right? And so like, you know, that's what they want you to believe because the entire police force who is not Jewish is against the Jews. Oh, so that you think that they were just they're like... They're not going to like let the true culprits get captured because they still need to go and kill their people. I think it's meant to be deeper than what it ends up being. But I think what makes it really difficult is like, you know, the, the bag of girl fat's pigeon feed where it like makes Gold doubt himself once again. Be like, well, you know, is that even really another like euphemism? Like, is that another like acronym for, you know, Hitler? Because the, the way they present it is like girl fat's is like a German acronym that's basically like the greatest strategist of all time. Right. That there was a nickname for him. To. And so it's like an underground, you know, alternate term for him. And... So when he sees the pigeon feeds, like, okay, either that means that was something that was planted by someone else and no one's going to believe him or it was real and all this stuff was in his head because this underground society that he's been involved with, like they say that if you come back here, we're not going to be in this building anymore. So like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's... I feel like it's running counter to what it's trying to do. And again, it just doesn't make sense. The cops would not want him to help with this Randolph thing, who is a cop killer. Yeah. In and... favor of, you know, the, the other case, the Klein case, where there is absolutely nothing urgent going on that early in the morning. So, it, I don't know. Like, and, and like we're complaining about this movie like nonstop, but it's really not that bad of a movie. No, I mean oh, I just I liked certain like, dialogue. Be, I, it's well, just I, this is why I'm saying it's kind of like how company business is, where it's just like, okay, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm just it it was just going back and forth, and I was just wondering why he couldn't do the Randolph thing. I, I didn't understand the whole this is our jurisdiction but now it's yours and no it's ours again but no you gotta do this because you're Jewish because this they want you to do it because they trust you like the family of that Jewish owner of the candy store. Right. Yeah they're like well they're very high powered people and they've assigned you to the case they want you to be on the case. So it's just kind of like they're forcing so him to, to do this thing from his whoever his higher-ups were i don't and um I, it was just like the stuff that he like the certain people that he met along the way was very interesting yeah i mean honestly the murder investigation was interesting in both cases are well they're honestly kind of secondary right it's more about like learning about the underculture on both sides of the defense like the anti-semitism and then like the resistance towards it but there's very few clues that happen to lead gold to the culprit of the klein murder ever we don't know the culprit. He's not on the case. He just knows that, like, maybe it's somebody who might be, um, you know, racist. Mm -hmm. like that's, that's as far as that goes. And so he learns more about himself, but he doesn't actually make progress into the murder. And the same thing with, like, the Randolph thing. Like, they seem to just have, oh, yeah, well, we can talk to this guy and flip him, and then we can get to Randolph. So there's, like, neither one of those investigations has much going on it's all about the conversations and the characters that you meet along the way and you have i mean you know you have a lot of characters you have a lot of right. people in here a lot of um you know renowned stage actors you know a lot of them are in the company of of mammoth and like they just you know bounce from from his film 
uh, to the next. And, you know, like you have like William H. Macy's Tim Sullivan over here who does a really good job with whatever role he has. And, you know, he has the, the tragic ending, which is kind of expected, I guess, to begin with. Um, but I don't know when, when the Sullivan thing goes down, gold is too late. He's able to escape the whole situation uh, and actually make it to the, the scene, but not until Randolph's mother is already gone and has abandoned the mission. And so now there's like a shootout with people. Uh, Sullivan has been shot inside. They get in there, uh, or gold gets in there, watches his partner die. Um, and then screams the N word, I'm going to kill you. And then goes chasing, uh, in this weird, like underground layer while holding a chain because his gun holster yeah. just broke a long time ago and never got a fix or got a new one. Um, and then yeah, Randolph shoots him and then they have this conversation between yeah. the two, two while gold is like laying in pain. Yeah, Randolph's looking for an opening to get out and for some reason just doesn't shoot him dead completely. I guess because he knows he's not a threat and doesn't have a gun, he only has a chain. Yeah. Um, and maybe he just wants to like taunt and tease. I don't know. Um, or really probably just for plot resolution purposes. But basically Gold is like, no, your mother flipped on you. Here's the proof. I have the proof in my pocket. Look at this. Yeah, but um, then, I mean, Randolph gets pissed and shoots him again yeah but not fatally yeah and he shoots him in the, the arm passport, like he gets that's where he gets shot in the side and like in the arm and then yeah. gold gives him like this phony passport right that or, the randolph's mother was supposed to give him yeah um and so while he's looking at the passport somebody off screen the cops are able to find them both and, and shoots randolph dead and so now they're lagging next to each other Right. Which I think is also supposed to be symbolism of, you know, like racist tensions amongst between like, you know, like a shared experience in a weird way. I think it's possibly intention behind that. Um, but like after that's done, the next scene you see is him coming into the police station, like with crutches or something like that and like healing and everyone's giving him the cold shoulder, even though like he fucking tracked down Randolph and got him. Right. Well, like some people were like, hey, sorry about what happened to you. <laughs> like, some people were coming up to him. Yeah. But other and, than that, they're... But like, most of them, like, all of his people are, like, just kind of, like... Like, eh. looking at him awkwardly, like, oh, he's back. It's like, oh, this fucker. Um, and then, like, you know, like, his boss is like, yeah, well, the little kids killed this lady for money for money and see so you're off the case and, but you're off and homicide you're off homicide and then like, it's everyone's just, just like fuck you like, right Jesus, fuck. <laughs> and then he's just standing there looking it's just like a good three to five minutes of him after he gets that information just he's standing and looking at what's around him in this police station oh, yeah and then the evidence lady's like we ran the that word here you go and it's yeah. like the girl has vision feed and, and that's when i'm like come on but yeah it's just they were kind of like you didn't solve this case in time so fuck you right yeah you didn't solve the case in time or you like i guess i guess the insinuation is like we we're mad that you didn't i don't know they were like, why didn't you... That you chased all these red herrings instead of looking at the obvious solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, these kids said that somebody killed her because of the gold or treasure in their basement, and you didn't follow up on that properly, so... You're no longer a detective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't really do much anymore because he was shot, so I don't think he would be able to you know, be, like, out in the field running after someone, you know. So it's just, like, when he just does desk job shit for the rest of his life, even though he wanted to be, like, this well-known homicide detective. Oh, and then, like, meanwhile, he has no partner or anyone either. So it's just, like, yeah. I, 
it ends shittily for him. Mm-hmm. And then creates a little bit of a, a mind fuck for the audience. Just like, well, what... What now? Were, were there parts of that that were not supposed to be real? Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of makes me want to see other Mammoth movies to see if, like, the same Yeah, that's why I was... Because I know he and Joe and Montaigne have worked together a lot before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much everybody in this movie has been in multiple movies of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, like, the, the, the lowest characters on the credits list have all been in, like, three or four of his movies. It's just, like, a, you know, like a company that he builds up for himself. So, uh, in terms of his writing and directing, he uh, was an Oscar-nominated, David Mamet was Oscar-nominated for writing The Verdict and also Wag the Dog. Emmy-nominated three times over for Phil Spector uh, as a director, writer, and producer. Uh, Chainsaw Award nomination for Hannibal. A Spirit nominated for The Spanish Prisoner. And also Tony nominated for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Speed the Plow. He's uh, done movies like House of Games, Things Change, The Winslow Boy, State in Maine, Heist, and Spartan. As a writer, not a director, he did Hoffa, The Untouchables, We Are No Angels, Ronin, and About Last Night. So we've probably seen some of his other movies, just, you know, not ones that he also directed. Um, Joe Montaigne as Bobby Gold, we just recently saw him uh, in Queen's Logic, but we didn't talk about him too much because we were going to see him here. Emmy nominated for The Starter Wife and The Rat Pack and The Last Dawn. Tony Award winner for Glenn Clary, Glenn Ross, the Broadway production, obviously. Um, well known for Criminal Minds, where he's been on 283 episodes of that so far. Uh, on The Simpsons, he is Fat Tony, as recent as this past year. He's been in Cars 2, TV shows Joan of Arcadia, uh, movies like Thinner and Above Suspicion. So... Um, William H. Macy is Tim Sullivan, Oscar-nominated for Fargo, Emmy-nominated six times over for Shameless, and Nightmares and Dreamscapes, The Wool Cap, Stealing Sinatra, Door-to-Door, A Slight Case of Murder, Sports Night, and E.R. Also Spirit-nominated for this movie, Oleana, and a Spirit Award winner for Fargo. He co-founded the Atlantic Theatre Company in New York with David Mamet in 1985, and the St. Nicholas Theatre in Chicago with Mamet as well. Uh, he's been in other movies like Psycho, Mystery Men, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Jurassic Park 3, and he'll also be in 1991's Shadows and Fog. Um, a lot of the other characters, you know, we didn't really talk about too much, so I won't bother. But I, <laughs> Joey Clams was in this one <laughs> as the J.J. <laughs> Johnston, who is Joey Clams in Queen's Logic, the arch nemesis of Joe Mantegna's character in that movie, That's is now so like weird. his uh, colleague in this one. Uh, we saw J.J. Johnson also in JFK. Uh, Ving Rhames played Randolph. We saw him in People Under the Stairs. He's also going to be in Flight of the Intruder and Iran, Days of Crisis. Rebecca Pigeon, uh, who married Mamet in 1991, uh, has also been in State and Maine, Shop Girl, The Lodger, The Unit, Red, and Bird Box. We didn't really talk about her character at all. She is the, the granddaughter of the deceased. Yeah. Shop, or she is uh, Miss Klein, who oversees a key conversation where he bad talks um the jewish family that he's working with um on the phone to the police station he's like well why would you do that to your own people yeah there's like a turning point for him yeah that and then when he was in their house and he comes across their cleaning lady mm -hmm. and the cleaning lady was putting up a photo like a picture on the wall and it was kind of crooked yeah and he just fixed it and that's when he found like another picture behind it it kind of like fell out yeah which led him to the uh to that group to look in the basement for the and he finds the receipts about the guns and everything yeah i just yeah, I, th like I thought that was interesting i'm like okay so you just took that <laughs> yeah Um, so yeah, Rebecca Pitchin has a small role, but an important part in this. Um, a couple other people, we got Natalia Nogaluch. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize. She plays Chava, who is the, the person who is working with him on the resistance front. She drives him to the shopkeeper who's printing the propaganda and, and blackmails him. Um, uh, she's been in Hoffa. 
Christmas Vacation, Star Trek The Next Generation, Days of Our Lives, Brooklyn Bridge from 1991, and also the, the movie The Boys from 1991. Um, a couple other interesting people here. We got Ricky Jay as Aaron. Uh, again, again, another person from The Resistance. Um, it's just weird to see. <laughs> I don't know. So like a lot of these people are, are not only just in David Mamet movies, but also in, in Paul Thomas Anderson movies like William H. Macy and Ricky Jay, who's in very little else. Uh, Ricky Jay is like a well-known illusionist and card manipulation and throwing card expert, a uh, magician who's consulted on dozens and dozens of movies. He recently passed away. Uh, he's been in things like Boogie Nights and Magnolia, um, as well as a bunch of David Mamet stuff. And then also Tomorrow Never Dies and Deadwood or like a couple of his rare non-Mammoth Anderson credits there. And then the, the weirdest person that I saw on the credits list was Jonathan Katz, who's listed as Undertaker. I don't know if he even had any lines, um, but that is the person who is an Emmy Award winner for Dr. Katz, Professional Therapist, the cartoon that was on Comedy Central. Okay. Uh, he's also done writing for Politically Incorrect, Home Movies, uh, Raising Dad Explosion Bus. Um, and so uh, Dr. Katz is, is yeah. there in this movie. don't remember. I mean, it probably was when he was in the granddaughter's house. My he guess is like it was at the crime scene. Like he might have been oh. one of the people bringing the body out of the crime scene. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sure if I can find it, I'll, you know, I obviously put a picture up on like YouTube. So, but yeah, you know, not a notable role. I again, maybe not even a speaking one, but you never know what you're going to find in the credits list. Uh, in terms of awards, we talked about the can nomination at the spirit award. Uh, it was nominated for best cinematography. That was Roger Deakins who we saw his work on Barton Fink. Um, also nominated for Best Supporting Male for William H. Macy, like we talked about already, and also Best Feature nomination, but that went to Rambling Rose. Um, along with the Criterion Collection honor, it was also part of the National Border Review's Top 10 Movies, but obviously not much of a box office success. True crime and pop culture. I mean, this movie was released May 9th, 1991, which was a, was a Thursday and I just have some TV listings. I thought we had a TV guide, but I guess we don't. This is just to like continue the more morbid talk. May 9th, 1991 was the last appearance of Michael Landon on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Found yeah, I know we have TV guides related to his passing. Yeah, because so that that's why I thought we had a TV guide about this, but I think it was probably because he died like two months later. So probably we have a July one. I found it on YouTube, his appearance on t the tonight show and it's in two parts. They're like seven or eight minutes each. And it's mostly like he's in good spirits. So in April of 1991, Michael Landon began to suffer from severe headaches while he was on vacation in Utah. And then three days later, he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of pancreatic cancer, which began to impact his tissues and blood vessels around his pancreas. So it was just known as being inoperable. Like it was, it was, diagnosed terminal by the time he found out so I mean this was in April of 91 so I guess for that from April to May there were a lot of tabloids going around about sensationalize sensationalizing his family and about his death because he has nine children like some of them were adopted but I guess one of the things that he was he went on the tonight show was to tell the audience like no my wife and I are not gonna have another child because apparently that was one of the topics on these tabloids was saying that they're gonna try for a tenth child 
Mm. And uh, because his wife wants something to remember him by. But he's like, you know, I... I mean, he comes on and he's in good spirits and he's like joking around and stuff. And he's like, you know, I have nine kids. I have X amount of grandchildren. And I have nine dogs. Like, he's like, I have all these dogs and cats and whatever, turtles and whatever. I don't need like something else for my wife to remind me by. She has all of this already. And it was mostly just him and Johnny Carson, like, giving each other shit. Like, he didn't really seem sick. It's just kind uh-huh. of morbid because, I mean, he he does say later on in, on his, in his appearance that he is trying to fight the disease aggressively as he can. But he doesn't say, like, how. Because he was, he's like, I'm not doing anything, like. He's, he had, I mean, you know, it's inoperable. So he's like, I'm not doing anything like going to the doctor or anything like that. But he's just asking his, he's asking his fans to, you know, keep him in his thought, in their thoughts or something. In June of 1991, he appeared on the cover of Life magazine. And around that time, he underwent a surgery for a blood clot in his leg. I don't know if that was like due to his illness, but they just, he just, you know, said in this interview in life magazine that that surgery went well for him. But unfortunately on July 1st, 1991 is when Michael Landon passed away. But yeah, he was that, laid so to... Like in, the, in the Johnny Carson interview, he doesn't give any indication that that would be his last TV. No, because he was like, I do not feel sick. And I just, I mean, yes, I'm trying to fight. I do have cancer and it's inoperable. And I'm trying to fight it. That was yeah. pretty much it. But it was like them uh, giving each other shit, like... I don't know. I don't know how many times uh, Michael Landon was on the Johnny Carson's show, but they seemed like they were like best friends or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because Little House on the Prairie. And right. Then... He was mostly known for being like in Bonanza. Okay. Then Little House on the Prairie, Prairie and then Highway to Heaven. Those are like the uh, three big TV shows where he was kind of like the lead in Mm -hmm. but yeah i just thought it was kind of morbid because that was his last appearance because we've talked about so many movies that were premiered at Cannes that there's just like nothing pop culture wise we've talked about europa double life of veronique thelma and louise barton fink La Belle Noiseuse, Jungle Fever, and then Rage in Har- Harlem. Those were all between May 9th and May, I don't know, 15th or something. Busy, busy time of the year. Yeah, and then also on May 10th was Madonna Truth or Dare. So it's just, I mean, I know this movie didn't come out in the U.S. until October, I think. Yeah, that's when it, like, hit the theater. Yeah, but I guess it just didn't do well because it made um, about $3 million on a $11 million, I don't know. Yeah, very weak opening weekend, but, I mean, that might have been limited. Right. Released, but... Yeah, I think the generic title probably did not help it too much. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't watch a trailer, so I don't know how. I probably should have, <laughs> but um, I don't know how they would market this movie for besides it being a mammoth film. I don't know. I the the intrigue is in the conspiracy angle. But that's something that kind of really only presents itself about halfway through. So do you want to give that away at the start? That's why I'm like, that's why I probably should have watched the trailer. Because they probably don't want to reveal that 
conspiracy but stuff. But if you in. don't, then it becomes just like a normal cop procedure movie. And that's probably what like, like hurt this movie. Dozen. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. So we can move on to rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Homicide? Um, I mean, I'm going to give this a three. I mean, I didn't hate this movie, even though we were like, what the fuck about it? Yeah, I we just, spent uh, so much time, like almost the entire time complaining about aspects of it's, I just really liked a lot of the dialogue between him and various other characters in the movies. In the movie, I should say. And then I just liked, I liked being Rames in it, even though he was in it for like five minutes. Thought he was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. His, his character is very strong in the, in the limited time he has. And uh, I mean, I do like Joe Montaigne in this over mm -hmm. Queen's Logic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an actual character. You yeah. know, like it's like Queen's Logic, Queen's Logic was a caricature. This is an actual character um with you know progression and feelings <laughs> and conflict so yeah and everyone has something like william h macy is such a weird like little mousy little twerp he's like, like this weasley yeah and... this weasley shithead kind of <laughs> yeah like he's he's like the little yappy dog who's like overly aggressive yeah um and yeah, like all the different supporting characters too, add, add like some depth and layers. I mean, again, I didn't, I didn't hate this. I think the the thing is like I could see a four star movie in this, and I wanted it to get there. And we're complaining about all the things that held it back. So on my zero to four star scale, I'm gonna say it's a three as well. Where you know, again, I, I enjoyed most of it, but I just I'm complaining because I wanted it to be better because it had that potential to like really put it in the upper echelon and it just didn't quite go. Yeah. Reading uh, reviews. Sorry. sorry. Just reading. <laughs> sorry. Like reading reviews, even like uh, Roger Ebert praised this movie so much, giving it like four out of four stars. I mean, mm. it has like really good reviews. I'm just like, I think maybe I'm just wondering why it did so badly like this is just too niche <laughs> i don't know i don't know but it doesn't really feel that niche to me it's, it's and again it's like one of those things where the subject matter of like modern racism against jewish people is just really not talked about in film and tv like hardly at all so there's like important subject matter that should be looked at and, and explored and it just wasn't you know wasn't taken on um but every movie is worth watching once would you watch it again i would watch like a com like a dvd commentary about this movie but if i would watch like this the criterion special features yeah but other than that no I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, I do want to see some of other Mammoth's other stuff, like Glenn, Glary, Glenn Ross, I know, has, you know, probably the biggest name attached to it movie-wise. You know, like, that's the best known of his I, stuff these days. And, you know, I'm curious to give that another go. Yeah, um, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff, so I'm just curious to see other stuff of his. And then I also yeah. read that on the Criterion dvd it's there's comment audio commentary with mammoth and macy and then they have interviews and then there's a gag reel which i'm hmm. curious to see like a gag reel about this movie yeah so yeah i i i would watch a commentary as well like maybe that'll help like clear up some of my doubts that um that i just you know maybe it would make it better if I had the director speaking in my ear and saying, like, this is my intention, this is why I did it this way. Yeah. But if you out there do want to watch Homicide, it's available as of this recording in August 2023 on Peacock, Tubi, Pluto TV, Plex, Freebie, Philo, Crackle, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. It's out there. As always, check your local listings. 
You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate your review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 movie rewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. You just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991 Movie Rewind.com for the full list of movies, long show notes, and more. Next week, we're going to watch Toy Soldiers. That's available on Philo, YouTube, Digital Rental, VHS, and DVD. We will see you then.